I have a, a message tonight which I designed as a, a biblical response to a cultural observation. Something that I think is happening within our society, this phenomenon I think that is happening, whether you may have recognised it or not recognised it, but I think most people are feeling the effects of it. And I think if you falsely identify this and falsely treat this, it will damage so many parts of your life. It'll damage the satisfaction that you have, it'll damage the productivity you have, but importantly for us, it damages our faith and our relationship with God. And I know we are a diverse people at City Point, so when I try and come up with a title for a message, I'm trying to do something that relates to people and that they'll remember. So I went through a bunch of different title names that hopefully appeal to different people. For the resident theologians in the house, we can call this message the silent approach of deism. For the resident prosperity lovers in the house, it can be called removing the barriers to your best life. For my resident TikTok preachers, it can be called stop losing and start living. But, but the, the title I've, I've landed on is something that I think is very practical. It's the danger that everyone's feeling but no one's talking about. I think there's, there's something happening right now in our society. And as I talk through this, I think you'll be able to identify it as well. And if we can start with a symptom of the problem, we can start what with people are feeling. It, it doesn't take a cultural commentator for, to realise that a lot of people are feeling different ways after a crisis. And a lot of people that I've talked to and in my job as a pastor and, and probably in your spheres as well, as you talk to different people, there's this underlying current that people are tired through this season. That they can see that people are fatigued in some kind of way. For some people it's physical, some people it's emotional and you might not un really relate to that but emotionally tired is almost like, oh, I, I, when I get close to the edge, this is the edge and when I get there I'm done with it. Like I can't deal with it anymore, that's it. And, and what emotionally tired looks like is that you get to that place a lot quicker. And I've noticed that in a lot of people as well, they're just getting to the edge of things a lot quicker, getting to that point where like, I've got to tap out, I've got to pull back. Maybe you're physically tired where you carried a workload before this whole crisis hit and now you're trying to do the same thing after this, after the crisis or coming out of the crisis, but it just seems harder. Have we put too many processes in place? Or is it my phone that I'm too connected to the world all the time? Do I need to pull back from different involvements? Why do things feel harder than they were before? Or why do I feel emotionally tired? What is this fatigue that a lot of people are feeling? Because as we come into Faith, Love, Hope season, Faith, Love, Hope is about expansion. It's about our generosity into the things of God to take the kingdom of God further. Because that's what we're here on planet Earth to do. And so we ask these questions, has the disruption, has it changed our processes? Is this, is this heavier? This is underlying societal fatigue that even beyond your individual life, and you may feel tired, but there's this societal one that underneath society, everyone's just feeling fatigued, a bit depleted. And, and I wanna shed some light into us to what it means as Christians because it's not as easy as I am tired, I need some rest. That's how we can treat it. That's how we can treat the symptoms sometimes, but it's something I think a lot more damaging if left untreated. I want you to come on a bit of a journey with me as to what this fatigue could be and how we can combat it to be people who have energy, who have motivation, who have cause and calling to run the race with endurance, not crawl through life for survival. And if we analyze our cultural moment, it's quite a unique one that 
we have been through in this crisis and right now we can hopefully assume that we're coming out of a crisis, but we have no idea what's around the corner. But at this moment, it looks like we're coming out of a crisis. And in this crisis, we had to go through things that we'd never had gone through before. There's always been pain. There's always been disruption. There's always been unmet expectations. But in this crisis, we were forced to go through one after the other, after the other, constant. These unmet expectations, these constant disruptions of life. I can't see my family. I couldn't do this. I got let off at work. All these disappointments and pain points. Great things as well happened in our life and in these times as well. But the Bible always says it's success and suffering that reveal who we are, but often it's suffering and the hard times that can build us. In Proverbs 15, 13, it says that sorrow and disappointment of the heart can cause the spirit to be broken. But Romans 5, 3 to 4 says the opposite, that in our afflictions, we can produce endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. So it seems like these pain points, these disappointments, these unmet expectations can either break your spirit or produce in you a deep hope, one or the other. And I wanna start tonight as we understand this, because I'd love to say, hey, here's the answer. But I think the understanding of how this happens is far more valuable than just a quick fix. I wanna start with a scripture that I've preached a lot, because for me, this just makes it so clear, my uh, human traits and how I relate to God in this way. John chapter 15, verses one to five. It's uh, Jesus is the vine, abiding in the vine. I've preached this a lot, I know, but... I just don't think any other scripture puts it this way. Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I, I love this because I, I, you can get an imagery from it as I speak. When, when Jesus says vine, he means like a vine or a tree. He's, he is the tree and we are a branch that's attached to the tree. And, and, and that in itself says a lot about it. A branch, if you were just to be a branch sitting on the ground by yourself, chances are that branch is going to die. But when you're attached to the tree, you get your nutrients from it. You get your resources from it. And so Jesus is talking about how we as humans function, how we're designed to be. We are designed to be attached to the tree. That's how we are sustained. That's how we, and when you, are attached to the tree, whatever you're attached to, you're attached to something, you bear the fruit of the thing that you're attached to. If you're a branch on an orange tree, you're gonna bear oranges. If you're a branch that's attached to an apple tree, you are gonna bear apples. But, and in this life, if you're, if you're a branch attached to the tree that is Jesus Christ, you bear the fruit of that, which is peace. It's joy, it's long suffering. It's, it's all these great things that we're supposed to have Tiredness and depletedness is not in that list, yet somehow we're still feeling that. It's because every human being attaches themselves to something. Your anatomy, your spiritual anatomy is that of a branch. You're attached to something. And if you're not attaching to Jesus, Jesus says, I am the true vine, which means there's also fake vines. 
There's also things that you attach yourself to that feel good, but they produce a bad fruit in you. And people can attach their life as a branch to ambition, but then the fruit of their life, they're just stepping all over people and cutting off friendships. You can attach your life to the, fr- the tree of romance, but the fruit of that is a, a thirsty life, a desperate life. And if the fruit of your life is not that of the fruit of the Spirit, it means your life is attached to the wrong tree. And for people in this place today, there's been anger or bitterness or judgment or these fruit that have been a pattern in your life. And I think it could be because you're being attached to the wrong tree. This is the first, this is where I wanna start because this is where it starts. If we haven't got this right, if we're not attached to Jesus in this way, then none of this other stuff matters. And so just right now in this place, I know we're about five minutes into a message, but if you haven't made that decision to attach yourself to the tree that is Christ, then I, I wanna give you an opportunity in this moment to do that. Because believing that there is a God is not enough to attach yourself to the tree. Believing that the Bible could be real, coming to church is not enough for you to attach your life into it. It takes a surrendered life, a decision to say, Jesus, I will follow you. And it's a spiritual grafting of your life onto it. And then you get the nutrients that you need from God, the, the energy, the, the love, the significance and security, it all comes through that. And so I just wanna pray right now, if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes just in this moment, that if, if you are in this place and you can identify with that, that the fruit of your life is not the fruit of the Spirit, there's been some other things mixed in there that your life has been pursuing ambition or power or romance or money or, or anything else, a relationship, family, Things that come, they're not that they're wrong, they're good things, but when you depend on them for your security and significance, they become the ultimate thing in there, providing a fruit in your life that's not what God wants for you. And in this moment, there's gonna be a grafting of your life away from that and back into the family of God. And, and if you are honest with yourself right now, if you need to make a decision to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, I just want you to raise your hand while no one's looking around. Thank you, I see that hand in the middle there. Anyone else tonight? This is your moment. Thank you. I see that hand on the side there. Great decision. Anyone else? God, let me just pray. God, for those hands that I saw go up and any that I missed, Lord, I pray right now that you do what you said you would do, Lord God, that you graft them into your family, that the fruit of their life in the past is now wiped away. And where there was anger, Lord God, we ask for peace to come in. Where there was bitterness, we ask your love to come in. As they attach themselves to you as the Lord and Saviour of their life, Jesus, will you bring about all they need, all the resources of heaven, all the spiritual nutrients that need they need to make them vibrant again. Thank you, Lord God, for salvation in this house in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. If you did make those decisions I'd love for you to tell someone about them after the service or go to the lounge and see the team after the service. That would be great. But now that we've seen this bit, this bit, this societal fatigue, this societal fatigue, I think is, is felt easily on one level, but we as Christians also discern things on another spiritual level. So I'll put this up on the screen behind me. Most people recognise what's happening on this level, the perceived level. 
So perceived level is your observations and your feelings. You kind of know how you're feeling. You can feel energetic, you're tired. You know if you're energetic, you know if you're tired, you know if you're motivated, you know if you're passionate. You can feel these things and see them within yourself. And on most levels, people can tell that, yep, I can judge if I'm tired or not. But then the danger is that on that perceived level where we feel it is the same level we try and treat it. So if I'm tired, I try and rest. But now I've been binging Netflix for two days and I'm still as tired as I was before. And so there's another level as Christians we're called to also discern, that we have a knowledge into the mysteries of God and there is another level deeper that this is impacting. And this is not a biblical term, but I've just called it the state of our soul, your soul state. This is the health and position of your soul and your spirit, where it can be overwhelmed and it can be grieved it can be depleted or it can be replenished on that level. And I think the damage that is happening is happening on this soul level because many people think they are tired and so they need to rest. And what's happening is they're really depleted and they need to be replenished because the nutrients aren't flowing from the tree to the branch anymore. And they think they're physically tired, but when they cut back work or they cut back involvement or you cut back serving, it doesn't seem to help. Because this isn't just a tiredness that's affecting society. It's a depletion of spiritual nutrients that has somehow resulted from the flow of God's energy, God's fuel source, not getting into your life. And that's the danger that everyone's feeling and no one's talking about. What has stopped this spiritual nutrients getting into people's lives, bringing the replenishment, bringing how the Bible says I should be Why is that not flowing into my life? See, the pain points, the disruptions of life, the unmet expectations, they've always existed in our world. They've always been there, but in this crisis, it just seemed like it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something fresh every day. And when they were few and far between, you could be terrible at processing them and still make it through life. You could be like me who doesn't emotionally process at all. I'm more, let's go, the obstacle is the way, we'll make it on the way, God strengthen me, we can get through it. All those, and, and I'm, there's a lot of people like, yeah, I get that, that's me too. And, but even in this state, no matter how strong you think you are, if you cannot process these pain points with God, it's accelerating something in your life. The outcome of pain building you or breaking your spirit lies in how you process it. For the Christian, there is a real danger of doing this incorrectly. And recently, and, and Ruthie and I have gone through a, a bunch of different things, all of which I'm happy to chat one-on-one if you wanna know details, but the details aren't important, the processing is important. And so we went through something really heavy and quite hurtful recently, and my processing of it kinda went like this. I had a really good intellectual integrity about it. So straight away, it happens, and because I've been a Christian a while, straight away I'm like, yep, but I know God is good. God's got a plan for my life. God's got a future. All things work for the good of those who love God, and I love God, so it's gonna work for my good. That sounds like something a mature Christian would say. And so I declared the promises of God and read the Bible and repeated it over myself. And so externally, and on that level, it looks like I'm processing it really well. Intellectually, prayerfully, it sounds like I'm processing it really well, but when I reflected on it, my heart wasn't in that state. My heart and my faith were kind of like a, what the heck is going on, God? Where were you in that? Did you abandon me in that? I I think you've just missed me. Do you understand that I I serve you? Like, 
full time, you know, maybe I'm on the wrong list or something. I'm on the good list, not the naughty list, God. And my head was processing and saying the great things, but in my heart and my faith, there was something else happening. There was a warring going on within me, a processing that needed to take place. There is something known as cognitive dissonance. And this is a phrase where you see something, but it doesn't line up with what you believe about what you should be seeing. Remember when I was a kid, I don't know, my mum and dad are here tonight. Hello, mum and dad, lovely to have you here. I have to preach good because mum and dad are here. But I don't remember where it was, but we went on a, a boat and I went downstairs on, on the boat and I, was, I think I was lying down on the couch, half dozing. And I was looking out the porthole and I'm like, oh, what a lovely blue sky, what a lovely day it is. And then a fish swam by. And you can imagine, because we're below deck, I was actually looking at the ocean. I thought I was looking at the sky, but then I look out there and as a kid, I'm like, fish, fish don't belong in the sky. And it was a trip out. That's what cognitive dissonance is, that you're seeing something, but in your head, it's like, that, that can't happen. That's, that's different. There is a disparity between what I'm seeing and what I believe I should be seeing. What I believe happens with these pain points processed incorrectly, it produces a spiritual dissonance in our lives. That even if you are full of faith, even if you declare the promises of God on repeat, even if you know that God is good, if you do not process these pains and these disappointment, these constant unmet expectations in your life, your belief subconsciously that God is a close God who cares for you, who's deeply concerned with the day-to-day of my life, subconsciously that starts to shift. Because I'm saying I believe it. In my head, I'm saying I believe it, but my experiences don't line up and it produces a spiritual dissonance in our faith. This is what's known as deism, that God is up there. There is a God up there in the sky. He kind of set and forget the earth and then he's not really uh, interested in your day-to-day life. That's what deism is. There is a God, but he's not really interested in the intricacies of your life. And if I asked you if you believe in a God like that, the chances are you would say no. Chances are you'd do what I did and repeat that God is here, God is close, God wants an encounter with me, He loves me. But then when so many of these pain points aren't pointing towards that, it has a spiritual dissonance on our faith that you can come to the same church, read the same Bible, sing the same songs, have faith in the same God, but the object of your faith, God, is now starting to look a little different subconsciously and you haven't processed that instead of being close with God, you've actually grown away from God even though you have the intellectual integrity of the Bible still there, but your faith has produced this gap between you. So, and, and while we've done this, doing that over time is like a hacksaw at the base of your branch in the tree. And one time you can kind of deal with and the nutrients still flow. But as over time and as crisis is done, it's like this hacksaw, this barrage of unmet expectations or, or pain points or disappointments, like a hacksaw is taken to the branch and over time, over crisis, stops the flow of nutrients, of heaven's fuel source into your lives, leaving us depleted. And so we're trying to treat a tiredness when really we are depleted, when really there's this deism, this spiritual dissonance that's attacking our faith and the body of Christ. And so I wanna tell you quickly just three quick ways, not that you need to do this, but this is how I've fought it. This is my personal experience and and there's probably 
20 ways in the Bible that you can fight this. But these are three main ones that I've learned because I've been through this process as well and going through it and this works. This is how you get your energy back. This is how you get your fuel back. This is how you beat the tiredness. Let me give you three. First one, process in disconnection. To process with God, you must disconnect from all the strings that pull at you from the world. Put your phone down. You cannot process with God and have his, have, He have your undivided attention when everybody else has part of your attention. Put your phone down. Mark 1, 35 to 37 says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He went out, he made his way to a deserted place and there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. It's okay if people can't find you for an hour. It, you don't have to be connected 24 hours a day to your friends. Time in the secret place has almost become a thing of the past and we need to bring it back. Even at the, the big revivals back in, in 19, early 1900s, the, one of the guys who was instrumental in starting it, God originally said to him, pray three hours a day and he did. And then God said, pray five hours a day and he did. And then the week after that, these revival meetings happening these, and the Holy Spirit coming in these crazy ways, doing miracles and healings. And we think God just moved like that miraculously, but someone was obedient to spending time in the quiet place, just like Jesus was. Jesus had a pattern. And what I found when you're depleted and what I found when you're tired, if it's the rhythms of life that are making you tired, then you need rhythms of disconnection to counter it. If it's a big event and uh, a big traumatic event and big things are happening, then you need holidays planned as well. Time, big times of disconnection. But if you've got a rhythm that's constantly draining you, a rhythm that's constantly depleting you, and you put in a holiday and come back to the same rhythm, you're gonna be in the same spot in another three weeks. And this is not a time management TED talk. This is an analysis of how Jesus did it. And I love this, that Jesus had this pattern in place. Go to prayer, come back to ministry. But because that pattern was in place, he was able to push through when times got super hard. Right now, we need to be a resilient church. We need to be a resilient youth, young adults, collective. We need to be a resilient church that can push through and not pull back when it gets tough. Jesus went through this time. He said there's, he was about to go and pray, about to go to the secret place because his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. There was a death, someone no, no, one, no closer than him. They were tight, they were friends. Can you imagine someone so close to your family member just dying and she was like, I need to go process this with God. I need to go talk to my heavenly Father about this. And as he was going, 5,000 people chase him down to minister the same day. He doesn't get a chance to process. And you and I'd be like, get away from me. Don't you understand that I'm mourning? But because Jesus had this rhythm, of disconnection and connection, disconnection and connection. He would push through in one of the hardest days that he ever existed. He fed the 5,000, he taught the 5,000, he took ground for the kingdom. He could push through because he knew how to have a rhythm of disconnection and how to process in that. You need to process with God in disconnection. And yes, that needs to be maybe an hour a day or whatever it is, but include little rhythms on it through the day. If you're just starting, do three minutes of prayer three times a day. Helps heaps. You put your phone down, turn it over, leave it in another room, 
three minutes of prayer, three times a day. If I tell you to do five hours like this guy, you might do it one day and then you'll never do it again. You need to start small, start baby steps, start your disconnection with God. And so when these big times come through, you have the spiritual reserves to go through it. Process in disconnection. Second one is process with emotional authenticity. My wife probably thought I would never preach on that. Process with emotional authenticity. We must not just process with an intellectual correctness, like I did, but with an emotional authenticity. When it comes to be shaped by God, it's a surrendered life, completely open to God that gets moulded and changed and, and shaped, surrendered in action, surrendered in emotion. To lay down your emotions to God is like an unbottling, this unbridled exclamation of this is where I'm at. I don't understand your decision. This sucks. I don't like it. Have you forgot about me? You can be angry with God. God is resilient. Actually, and sometimes we think if I'm angry at God, maybe that's not something that doesn't take faith. If you're standing there shouting at the sky, you're either insane or you have faith that someone's listening. It actually takes a great faith to bear your soul before God. King David, a man with God's own heart. The whole, all the Psalms, you read the Psalms, David is an emotional guy. I, I imagine he'd be like into like Shakespeare and stuff. He's, he's emotional. And God comes through to David, through for David like every time. He saves David like every single time. Giants, King Saul, everybody always comes through. Yet every Psalm, David starts off with, God, you've forgotten about me. He knows how to process emotionally. Look at this, Psalm 13. We're, like he has a lot of Psalms, but he's already had 12 by this point. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? He's so dramatic. He's not even today. Forever, he's ultimatums. How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? It's all right to have anxious feelings. Sometimes we think as mature Christians, we say we can't be anxious. The Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. But here's David saying, I've got a lot of anxious concerns within me. If you have anxiety about that, you bring your anxiety to God. I have agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer me, Lord my God. Will you restore brightness to my eyes? Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And then he always gets to this part of the Psalm. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. When you process with emotional authenticity, it always ends in thanksgiving. Not because you are forced to give thanks and muster up thanks and muster up praise, but prayer is, emotional authentic prayer is all about submission. You lay it down before God. I actually was talking to Ruth the other day. I think all prayer is about submission, bringing your desires before God. And when you do that, God can do something in your heart and He shapes you and changes you and shows you. You know the penny drop moments where you see something clearly? They happen when you process with emotional authenticity. And you need to go through this process with God. And this is, a, especially for guys who don't do this often, this can be hard. But when you do, when you go through it and you have those outbursts and you get angry at God, eventually when you process with it, He shows you something about Himself. Or it reminds you something about Himself. And by the end of this emotional, authentic processing, 
You start to give thanks to God out of, the, out of your own heart, out of this well that comes up from within you. You don't have to muster up a praise or muster up worship or muster up thanks. It just naturally comes out of you because when you lay yourself down before God, He always fills you to the level of your emptiness. And if you're full of yourself, He can't fill you afresh. We need to process with Him in disconnection and also with emotional authenticity. And the final one I wanna talk about is seek an encounter with God. Don't, you know, don't wait for an encounter with God. Seek an encounter with God. The opposite action of deism is encounter. If deism is set and forget God, encounter is taste and see God. And that's the kind of God that we have. Especially, come on, are we in a Pentecostal church? Yeah, we are a taste and see. We believe our God is not far away, but He's close. He's not something I have to learn about from the guy on platform. He's something that I can reach out and grab and take hold of for myself. He is a personal Saviour. You need to be an individual that seeks an encounter with God. He's not a set and forget God. Pastor Liam shared this Scripture. I'm gonna read a bit more of it about Paul and Silas. In this one chapter, it's about 17 verses. There's four different ways you encounter God. I wanna read through it quickly, but then I wanna create a moment where we can encounter God as well. Verse 13, Acts 16, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. She always, this one's an encounter with the words. She responded to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptised, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. One encounter always happens through the Word of God. And people have a disposition to the way they encounter God best. I, I encounter God through the Word. I encounter God through reading the Word. It's like the Holy Spirit reaches me out and pulls me into the pages. There's times where I get a revelation from God. I'm like, Ruth, check this out. And if she's not there, it's Aurora, come check this out. And Aurora is too, so she doesn't care. So I end up just celebrating with God. But it's an encounter with God. You can encounter God through His Word and talking about His Word with other people. I'm not talking about a revelation. The Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Before He was Jesus the human, He was... Jesus, the Word, you can encounter Him through the Word. Verse 16, uh, straight after that, once as we were on our way to pray, to pray uh, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. And as she followed Paul and as she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul got annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the Name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came right away. There are certain things that only the power of God can shift in your life. There are some things that only God can shift in your life. I'll tell you a bit about an experience I had with that too, because I was so sceptic of God just reaching in and changing something. The power of God through the Word, they get chucked in jail because of that. And this is the story we talked about just before. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaking. Some things can only be shaken by praise and worship. There's some encounters that you need to have just through praise and worship to God. 
And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. And I think tonight as we worship at the end, I think that time of refreshing is gonna come on people's lives again where you realise it's not tiredness, it's depletedness, attaching to the source again. Praise and worship is the next way we can encounter God. And the, the last way I love as well, when the jailer awoke, he saw the doors of the prison standing open. He drew his sword and was gonna kill himself since he thought the prisons had escaped. But Paul called out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, he rushed in. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sometimes the only encounter people have with God is through your actions. This guy saw Paul and Silas and because of that, he encountered God. Sometimes it's only because of the actions that you see that you encounter God. We need to seek an encounter with God. You don't just wait for an encounter. You don't just lie in your bed and be like, well, God, when you're ready, you know, encounter me. It says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Notice who takes the first step. You draw near to God, then He will draw near to you. We need an encounter of God to change us, an encounter of God to combat this daism, an encounter of God to reconnect the branch to the vine because hurt people hurt other people and tired people make other people tired, but whole people heal people. People who encounter the presence of God allow other people to encounter the presence of God. And that's why Paul says, I didn't come to you with human wisdom, but I came to you in the power of the Spirit, that by your faith may not be built on the wisdom of humanity or by eloquence of speech, but in the power of Jesus Christ to transform. I remember, a while ago, the first, I came from a Baptist church and so I came to City Point. I went to a life group and people were falling over under the presence of God. And my first thought was like, they're obviously faking. These guys are a bunch of nutters. And for years I thought that because I'd never had that experience. I couldn't really find it in the Bible. That's crazy. And one day in college, and it's only ever happened once to me, but I was leading a life group uh, for City Point and my behaviour in my life was nothing like a Christian should be. I can't say too much because mum and dad are here tonight. <laughs> I think they're aware. There is too much drinking, too much uh, everything in the college days for those who know my story. And, and one day, I don't know why I went to City Point West, but someone dragged me out there and uh, I remember Pastor Tim, he's the pastor out there still. And he, he said, if anyone needs a, a spiritual realignment, come out for prayer. And I remember going out there and he prayed for me. And, and I, didn't, I didn't care for anything. I just wanted God to fix something in me because all my habits and stuff wouldn't fix it for itself. Because sometimes you just need the power of God to fix something in you that you've tried for a while. And I remember he prayed for me and I don't, it's not like I lost all my control. That's not what it was for me, but I was so focused on God that I got up off the ground a bit later and felt completely different. And Tim's like, you were down there about 10 minutes. I'm like, no, it wasn't. You were down there 10 minutes. But, <laughs> but it, from that, it changed something in me. It was a pivot point. Pastor Mike's been doing a series. If you haven't done it, it's, it's in the turning, he's called it. You need to listen to it from the AM messages. Sometimes there's these turning points. When you encounter God in a real way like that, I can trace probably four or five of these moments that are turning points. 
And if you were a skeptic like me that people don't fall under the power of God, I'm intellectual, so I had to research it. So if you're a skeptic, this is how I uh, rationalise it and see the evidence of it in the Bible. The glory of God, glory means weight. It means the mass of something, the literal mass of it. And up until that point, I think I had the concept of God. Like my life was a glass of water and God was a ping pong ball that could float on top, but didn't really change anything about me. But an encounter with God is like someone dropping a rock into it and displacing it. And things were changed within me. But you have to go after encounter. You have to seek God for encounter. And so right now in this moment, I'm gonna invite you all to stand. Because people depend on your encounter. You being replenished by the power of God depends on your encounter. And tonight we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship again and and the altar's open and the prayer team's ready because some people tonight, you need a spiritual realignment like I had. You need that moment where things, you've been doing things and things are astray and you need to be refreshed and realigned in the power of God. And some people here tonight, you're tired, you're so fatigued, you're just worn out. You you know it's because the nutrients, your resource of heaven haven't been flowing into your life. You need to be replenished and you need to be refreshed. You need an encounter with God, but you have to go after it. And so we're gonna worship in this moment. And if you need an encounter with God, I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seats and come to the front because sometimes great spiritual moments require a physical step of faith, like stepping out of the boat, like baptism for your faith, like a wedding ring for your marriage. Some great inward transformations take first physical steps forward. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are refreshing people. You're making new God. You're realigning Jesus. Thank you, God. I know there's still people being prayed for, but let me just pray for us all tonight. As continue to chase God for our weeks. God, thank You that You are not a distant God, that You're close, that You're present, that You're here, that You are within arms reach for us. Every moment of every day, whether we feel like it or not, You are close, God. You're a taste and see, God. Holy Spirit, I thank You that You will never leave us, that every day You are our comforter, every day You are our companion, every day You are our guide. And we press into You, Lord. Through the Word, through worship, through Your power. We love You, God. God, help us to process with You this week. Process in disconnection and with emotional authenticity. God, will we be people that are known because we have Your presence with us wherever we go? like a shadow passed over someone in the Bible and they were healed. Will Your presence do miraculous things around our lives as we go into our weeks? We are a people surrendered to You. We love You, God. 
Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God some praise tonight for what He's doing in lives and doing in hearts.